You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Welcome to the breakfast show. Uh, the first segment we will be talking about today is uh, can stress cause grey hair and seismic waves on Mars. Is it possible to live there? That will be our second segment later on in the show. So to start off, we will start with, um, as usual, with the weather. So Daniel, so, uh, I got my mom Daniel with me. Daniel, can you start with the weather today and uh, then we'll go over the news. Uh, well, I, I must say that you came up with very interesting topics. Um, can stress cause grey hair and seismic wars on uh, Mars. But uh, let's start with uh, weather update. Um, so um, today we'll see uh, variable clouds and showers mainly in the western and northern parts. Some of these pushing further east in the afternoon. Um, turning drier and brighter later on and breezy in the south. And tonight it will be mostly dry with clay spells and just the odd showers in the west. A band of rain will move in from the west overnight along with strengthening winds staying, uh, staying uh, dry in the far east. And um, this is the weather update um, for today and tonight. And mm. um, Yes, and it's, uh, it's uh, also getting colder since the winter is also yeah, getting I just close. Came here and it was very cold outside. Quite freezing, yes. Uh, Daniel has to travel quite a quite <laughs> a distance <laughs> to get here. Not really quite distance, <laughs> but it was uh, a bit far when you have to travel on on public transport, so it is quite far. Hmm. Yes, it can take some time. I live very close, so. but this morning I was walking and uh, I mean the the sky was looking really nice. Uh, the, you can see like the crescent, yeah. the moon, some of the stars. We will be talking about planets and stars in the space later on in the show as well. But in terms of uh, the, the temperatures, um, I mean, right now it's around six degrees. Is and it, on my app, it's showing uh, seven. Well, um, not, not, not much maybe it's a bit warmer where you're sitting. <laughs> 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 yeah, but uh, around the, the, the temperatures around uh, around six, seven degrees usually in the mornings. But they will go up up to all the way to twelve degrees for today. And uh, throughout the week, it's 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 gonna start raining as well again. You know this London weather, gloomy rain is part of life. Yeah. Uh, but I think tomorrow there will be some rain, and uh, Thursday will be okay. And then, as you mentioned, uh, after the Friday onwards, it's gonna be uh, rainy rainy days. Uh, yes, and that's that's for the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the news now. So uh, we have some um, there's some interesting things going on. So Daniel, what's uh, so, tell us about the news? Let's start with the headlines of the week, uh, the papers. So news headlines: cancel armistice uh, demo and Moon admits PPE link. Uh, a variety of stories leads uh, lead to the Tuesday's papers. The Daily Express says that the Metropolitan Police have appealed to pro-Palestinians protesters to call off a march set to take place in London on, on Armistice Day this weekend. The paper reports that Scotland Yard had, has said that the event would not be appropriate and warned that the risk of violence and disorder in the capital was growing. The Daily Mail reports that a 78-year-old poppy seller 
has said he was uh, punched and kicked during a pro-Palestinian demonstration at Edinburgh's central rail station on Saturday. Mm -hmm. The paper carries a um, picture that appears to show Jim Henderson in the center of a large crowd waving Palestinian flags and and says he was set up upon while uh, manning a stall. Uh, it add it adds that the incident only ended when railway staff intervened and shoved the demonstrators away. Mm-hmm. Uh, nearly three hundred thousand women at risk of breast cancer are to be offered a drug that will have that will halve their chances of developing it, according to the Metro. Uh, the paper says that uh, nestrozole is already used uh, to treat those who have the disease and that NHS officials believe that thousands of future cases could be prevented if enough eligible women sign on to the scheme. And the Times reports that uh, anastrozole costs only 4p a day and that some 289,000 women in their 50s (coughs) or 60s at a moderate of high risk of breast cancer are expected to be eligible for the scheme. It adds that the drug works by... Um, blocking a particular enzyme and cutting down the amount of the hormone um, estrogen uh, that the body produces. Mm-hmm. The drug could be uh, routinely prescribed uh, to prevent cancer much as uh, statins protect against heart disease, according to the Daily Telegraph. Writing for the paper, Amanda, the chief executive of NHS England, says that the program could be the program could herald a new era for cancer prevention and have a transformative impact saving lives the conservative peer uh, baroness moan has admitted she did have ties to ppe medpro a medical supplier that won 200 million pounds worth of government contracts during the pandemic according to the daily mirror the paper says lady moan has spent Three years insisting she had no role at the firm, but that a representative has now said she was an intermediary, while her husband, Douglas uh, Barrowman, uh, led the consortium. Mm-hmm. The Guardian carries the same story and says the admissions raise questions about years of denials from the couple. The paper says that in November 2020, lawyers for Lady Moan told it she was not connected in any way with the company. While lawyers for Mr. Barrowman said he never had any role or function, it adds that a month later, lawyers acting for the couple insisted that any suggestion of an association with the firm would be misleading and defamatory. And the I says Tuesday's King's speech setting out the government agenda for the coming year will see the monarch forced to announce a shredding of eco-policy. The paper says the king, who has long campaigned on climate and environmental issues, will have to hide his true feelings as he heralds a new era of oil and gas exploration. One government source is quoted saying the king has a job to do, while uh, environmental experts say the speech will send a damaging signal globally. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex flew from California to Las Vegas on a private jet to attend a Katy Perry concert, according to The Sun. The paper quotes on royal watcher branding Prince Harry and Meghan, 
who have been vocal about the need for action on climate change eco-hypocrites. And, and the Financial Times says former U.S. President Donald Trump turned a New York courtroom into a political theater during a defiant appearance on the witness stand as part of a civil fraud lawsuit on Monday. The judge in the case has already ruled that Mr. Trump committed fraud by misrepresenting his wealth, but is now deciding whether he should have to pay penalties and if he, if he should be able to continue doing business in New York. The paper says the judge at one point had to tell Mr. Trump's attorneys to control him, while Mr. Trump said the trial was unfair and that he hoped the public is watching. Mm-hmm. And the Daily Star says that a psychic has claimed that faithful pets send their owners love-filled messages after they have died and still link, uh, and still like us to talk to them. The headline reads, Bark from the Dead. Hmm, very interesting. And then uh, we have some news from uh, um, news updates from the um, Israel-Palestine conflict as well. Uh, this today marks the one month, one month, um, well, not anniversary, but it has been and one month uh, since the war has started, since the attack on 7th of October, which uh, killed uh, almost uh, one and a half thousand um, or kid, um, uh, Israelis and kid. Uh, where over 200 people were kidnapped as well. And um, uh, the most recent news uh, says that in an interview with U.S. broadcaster ABC News, uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, says that uh, Israel will have overall security responsibility for Gaza once the fighting ends. Mm. And the Israeli Prime Minister also resisted calls for a ceasefire, but said humanitarian pauses might be possible to let aid into the enclave and Israeli hostages out. Um, so uh, still the the Prime Minister uh, is not willing for, to um, go for a ceasefire. He does not want to stop the fighting. He is uh, agreeing to let some aid into the country for the injured. Um, and uh, uh, he he's also demanding, obviously, that the hostages, the Israeli hostages, which have been kept in Gaza, uh, should be released. Uh, overnight, there were reported explosions in the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunus and elsewhere as Israel bombards the Strip. Um, it's been one month since uh, Hamas attacked Israel um, and the Israeli military has responded by launching airstrikes on Gaza and sending in troops. And it says that it's targeting Hamas infrastructure and minimizing civilian deaths. Um, so I, I feel like it's a bit, bit of a, you know, um, hypocrisy and controversy here that uh, even though the prime minister uh, ha- is allowing aid to go into gaza at the same time they are uh, continuously bombing uh, you know the gaza strip um top to bottom first they told uh, um, the civilians the, the, the palestinians to move from north to south yeah uh, people thought maybe they will attack the north mm. they were uh, and, the, and the people will be safe in the south but this is not the case more than 10,000 people have been killed in Gaza. And this, these are only the ones which have been recorded, uh, according to the Hamas run Health Ministry. And almost half of those people are children. Yeah. Um, and in Jerusalem last night, uh, crowds gathered to light 1,400 candles and hostages, hostage faces were projected onto the Western Wall. Uh, so we see that there is damage on both sides. 
Um, there's no doubt, but the proportion is not is not equal. Um, yes, yeah, so it's very interesting. What do you have to say, Daniel, about um, this? Uh, I mean, um, certainly it it's very saddening as well. But um, what we can uh, do is that uh, we can pray for such people. Um, um, our uh, our thoughts are with them. And for this uh, specific thing, um, the MT Muslim community has, you know, um, uh, held a event um, this this weekend, this last Sunday, um, prayers for peace, mm-hmm. and uh, where many different dignitaries came uh, and they attended the event. And the whole purpose of that event is for the victims of Israel-Palestine war. And um, it doesn't matter that uh, whether that person is a Muslim or Jew, if that innocent yeah. person, uh, that innocent civilian has nothing to do with the war and has died in that war, then our sympathies, our thoughts are with that person um, in general. Because in the Holy Quran it says that uh, killing a soul is like killing the whole humanity and saving a person is like saving the, the humanity. So... Uh, it doesn't say that that person, that soul, should be Muslim or uh, he should be uh, should have some specific thoughts or uh, beliefs. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather, it says that um, any human. any soul. Yeah. So yes, that's very very um, well put. I mean, this is Islam's stance on this: that innocent life. It does not matter. I mean, race. Creed, yeah. um, you, you ethnicity. I mean, regardless of any race, ethnicity, yeah, you have to love that person. Yeah. In the only thing that Islam is against, which can, uh, which is very clear in this in this conflict as well, is against oppression, mm. against the oppressors, and in this case, uh, the oppressors are, are Hamas, mm. and it's also the Israeli government right now. Hmm. And uh, we can't say the same for the Palestinian government because they are not involved in in, in this way. Hmm. Though Hamas are acting as the as the kind of rulers of of the Gaza Strip at the moment, but if war has to be waged, as His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, he has uh, like repeatedly mentioned this that war is permissible but only against the oppressor. Hmm. Uh, why are you attacking the civilians? Um, some some some. Um, I've heard some interviews. They say that, oh, this is collateral damage. You yeah. know, meaning that, uh, like, some damage is <laughs> incurred. You know, around the area, if you're trying to target a specific area, mm. sometimes some some damage goes outside of, of what you intend to do. Mm. But I, I don't think this is uh, justified, is it? Um, mm. I mean, how much collateral damage are you are you gonna do? Um, before you you uh, wipe out Hamas, is, I mean, is this it's justified? Just a generalized statement to. Um, and um, you know it doesn't tell the exact um, thing what's happening in that area, and it hides the fact that the children are dying over there as well. And more than half, as you have said, that more than half of the people uh, who have died or martyred over there are children, and the children are the future of a country. They are the mm-hmm. backbone. So uh, you know, the, if there is a fight, it must be between the armies of. The other countries, if, the, exactly. if there is fight, they shouldn't involve any kind of civilians. Um, and uh, specifically, uh, if you talk about uh, the schools or the hospitals, 
um, they are the most um, vulnerable places and they shouldn't be attacked in, in any circumstances. Um, anyway, uh, it's a very um, mm. deep and sensitive topic and uh, what we can do is that uh, as it is mentioned in a hadith that uh, the Holy Prophet وسلم, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him has said that um, uh, to a companion that you should help the oppressor and the oppressed ones. Mm-hmm. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, and you know the companions uh, said that we understand that um, how to help the oppressed ones, yeah. but we don't understand how to help the oppressor. That's kind of very. Um, yeah. How can you help? Are you going to help yeah. in, in oppressing the person more? Yeah. So the simple answer was given by the Holy Prophet ﷺ that you can help a oppressor by stopping him um, from uh, from the oppression. Mm-hmm. So, in any case, in any circumstance, um, our um, thoughts and uh, our our sympathy is for those people who are who are vulnerable, who are marginalized, uh, who are in kind of any state of um, uh, oppression. Mm. So let's hope for the best and pray for them. Yes, definitely. That's um, uh, again, as you mentioned, we had this peace for um, peace for prayer. Is that yeah. yeah? Prayer for peace. Sorry, prayer for peace event. Uh, this um, Sunday, the Sunday as well. <clears throat> that was held in the in the Battle for Two Mosque in the South London, and we had uh, some MPs. We had uh, different religious um, representatives, mm. uh, and and the event was. Um, started with the recitation of the Holy Quran but then there was a two minute silence for all the victims of uh, this conflict uh, whether Israeli, Palestinian, Muslim, Jewish, mm. black, white, whatever um, there was a silence and then uh, d- various people have spoken uh, on this topic and uh, I think everyone said the, the same thing that we need peace it's time for peace uh, we have to make peace and uh, Everyone also said that it is is it's um, you know it's in the hands of the leaders of the of the powerful nations mm. to step in because we as people can only pray we can uh, uh, maybe protest even protesting is is not against is not according to Islam uh, mm. peaceful protest is permissible. I mean the the humans have already seen so much in just a um, period of two or three years like. Uh, we have seen COVID, um, mm. the Russian and Ukrainian war, and now this um, um, Palestinian and Israeli war. So a lot of going on here and there, and um, also the hidden clashes as well are going on between China and uh, you know America. Yeah. So it's a lot on on a plate <laughs> to take and digest. And yeah, so, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so this this was uh, the news from around the world. Let's talk a bit about sports. Why not? So, um, as as uh, I think, um, I think the British should be aware of this, but I think the general public in England is not very interested in cricket. Uh, but Daniel here is a very um, he's not a good cricket player, but he's a good um, he's very interested in cricket. <laughs> but, yeah, so the the World Cup um, twenty twenty three is going on in India, mm. um, and. Uh, uh, have, have you been watching the World Cup? Yeah, I am following the World Cup. Mm. Uh, and uh, the World Cup is on, on a very crucial and very interesting stage, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, 
um, I believe that two teams have qualified for the semis. Uh, it's um, India and South Africa. Yes, exactly. But for the third and fourth spot, uh, I believe um, that Australia would qualify. Mm -hmm. And there is a uh, now. Let's see who qualify at the fourth so position the between fourth, fourth, fifth, and sixth positions right now are New Zealand. Pakistan and Afghanistan and they're all three of them are on eight points. Yeah. Okay. And New Zealand and Pakistan have played eight matches. Afghanistan still has one match. Um, uh, uh, but Afghanistan has to win with a, a very big margin. Mm -hmm. Very big, big margin. So I believe it's either going to be a New Zealand or Pakistan at fourth. Uh, let's see. Mm -hmm. uh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. This is this is uh, happening in uh, India, the the um, one day World Cup. Uh, India has been playing amazing. I mean, they haven't lost I mean, a single they match. They are thrashing. Uh, <laughs> usually, India is famous for their batting line, but I mean, the bowlers are going crazy. Their batting is going absolutely crazy. So they are probably you know the the, the favorites to win at this moment. Um, and uh, on the other side here in, in the football world, um, there was a a shocking match yesterday, I think, between uh, Tottenham and um, what's the other team? Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea beat them 4-1. Uh, but uh, if you look at the tables at the moment, um, Tottenham is, I mean, way above uh, Chelsea. Uh, they are in the second place. Uh, Manchester City is still on top. Um, and Chelsea is, um, I mean, I think on the 10th position. So, yeah. So, anything else? Um Daniel Mbappe all the way. Mbappe, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's not in the champ in the Premier League, but <laughs> yeah. And uh, also recently there was the Ballon d'Or um, announcement, which is it's not recent news anymore. But um, mm. uh, Lionel Messi won his eighth Ballon d'Or, and um, there is a lot of uh, again a lot of controversy, uh, and people are talking. Uh, you know, a lot of um, they talk they're talking against Messi, and many as always are talking for Messi. And they wanted uh, a lot of people wanted Haaland, and and they thought that Haaland, Erling Haaland from Manchester City, mm. deserved the win uh, because he had an amazing season. He had scored, I think, almost sixty goals. I mean, um, just a simple question to you: What's the future of Messi or Ronaldo? I mean, mm. uh, at the stage of um, uh, the, I mean, they are like thirty six or thirty seven now. Yeah, and eight uh, almost. What do you see them? Uh, are they gonna play um, three or four more years or not? They are gonna play. I think they're gonna play. They are. They are playing. I think Ronaldo definitely wants to keep going. As I mean, well he as has possible. the fitness. Ronaldo do have. He has the fitness definitely. But does Messi has the fitness level? Uh, but even Messi is not that unfit. People think that uh, Ronaldo is definitely a machine, but <laughs> Messi, Messi is still. Messi has a lot of things that. I mean, you don't need fitness for. He has talent. And he has uh, magical powers on the field yeah. that in a few minutes he can create something and then he can, you know, he can be subbed off. But I do see them um, uh, playing in the next World Cup, uh, maybe as substitutes. But I, I, I hope they are still there. Uh, I really yeah, like Messi. Um, and he is, he is, I think, one of the best players ever in terms of talent. If you look at the statistics, Ronaldo and Messi are, are very close yeah, they are. Uh, but if you just look at the game, at the talent, um, at, at the skills, I think Messi is uh, just up, like beyond everyone else. Uh, it's just because he's, he's, uh, his reactions, his dribbling, his 
uh, he is just so like Why over the years, that? you know, yeah. performing for almost ten years at this at the highest level possible. Yeah, I mean, he That's is not that fast out. now as he was used to be, uh, but he has that game awareness, which mm. is really, really, I mean, mind blowing. And that's why he still, I think, is in the in the team. So yes. even in the Ballon d'Or, a lot of people um, are showing different, you know, on, on Instagram and mm. different posts uh, that the Ballon d'Or wasn't actually as unfair as you think. Mm. Uh, because if you don't, if you take out the goals, mm. uh, Erling Haaland scored, you know, a lot of goals, almost twice as much as Messi. But if you look at other performances, they they take account, they take into account. Um, for example, how many chances a player misses, hmm. how many chances a player has created, uh, what is his um, shooting and passing accuracy, what's his performance, hmm. overall performance. I think this year's uh, Balando had a, had a few changes that it was more individual based, individual hmm. performance and individual trophies. Um, but regardless, um, uh, I think uh, there, there is still controversy. <laughs> I mean, ha- if if Messi. Uh, was in the position where Haaland is. I yeah. think they, he might have still won the Ballon d'Or, and Haaland would have. So, it, it, but uh, I think uh, Messi deserves some respect. Um, he always does. He deserves some respect. It's, it's probably his last Ballon d'Or. Uh, so let's see. Maybe in the future they, they will they will do some changes. But yeah. So enough talk of the news. Uh, we have to start our show, and um, we'll take a quick break, and uh, then we'll get back and. Uh, dive into our first segment about stress you know um, stress 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 everywhere and uh, so stay with us don't go anywhere uh, give us a call on uh, 020-8687-7878 or if you want tweet us at voice of Islam UK we are uh, waiting for you we are um, uh, always uh, delighted if somebody calls or drops a message and uh, yeah so stay with us we will shortly be back Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet, وسلم, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed, but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding. Yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, 
he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Uh, welcome back to the first segment of the show. Um, as uh, in the first half an hour, we were discussing the news headlines and the weather report. But in this segment, we will discuss um, about uh, stress, how it causes grey hair. And the gist of the story is that uh, a particular aspect of getting older that is often associated with stress is graying hair. According to a research, it's not actually cortisol that makes our hair gray, but adrenal is the cause. Uh, studies in mice shows that um, adrenal uh, causes the cells in hair follicles responsible for um, melanin and color to drain more quickly. Uh, constant excessive stress can cause our new hair to lose color, uh, thereby turning our hair gray. Uh, very interesting and um, I yes, mean, very important topic for me. Um, I mean, certainly for everyone, <laughs> not only for you. Even I'm no, getting if, if you, uh, if some few hairs. <laughs> gray I hairs. Have, I have a lot of gray hair. And uh, but I had that I had that for a long time. Um, I mean, I studied with Daniel in in Jamia as well. So if you um, remember, I think we were in the third year, yeah. uh, uni, or you can say, uh, third or fourth year. This is when I start getting um, gray hair. Yeah. Um, but right now I can't see any single gray hair on you, on you. It might be the light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so yes, um, there is. Um, I tried to. I didn't really check on this earlier, mm. but uh, it's an interesting topic for me personally. And we have we also have an expert who Daniel spoke to earlier, and um, a, a really interesting interview, very interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, shortly before that, um, we will be also discussing um, after we play the interview about um, I mean, does stress make you age faster? Uh, what happens in the body when when you experience stress? Uh, what is the role of um, uh, uh, adrenaline and cortisol? 
um, and also how does our black hair turn grey scientifically. Um, but uh, maybe uh, some of these um, points will be discussed in the interview. Mm-hmm. So we'll go um, and and play the the interview we had. Um, uh, sorry, Daniel had earlier, um, and the interview was with uh, Louis Sanders. Uh, Louis Sanders, he is a, a stress management management trainer, uh, and uh, yes. Yeah, so let's listen in, listen in, and uh, we'll be back shortly after the interview. Louis Sanders, um, she is a stress management uh, trainer and coach. Uh, she teaches people the tools and skills to conquer stress and increase happiness. Uh, Louis is certified by the HeartMath Institute and is working towards her certificate in EFT. Um, she also uses the uh, Enneagram personality system and positive psychology in her practice. Uh, Louis is passionate about helping people uh, live happier and more fulfilling lives. Um, welcome, Louis Sanders, and peace be on you. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me here. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's fantastic to have you on the show. So uh, as this interview is for breakfast show for tomorrow and especially for that segment of the show, which is regarding um, can stress cause gray hair. So let me begin by asking you that um, how do individuals maintain a balanced condition when, uh, when experiencing stress? Well, this is where the question actually is interesting because stress in and of itself is a state of being unbalanced. So mm-hmm. typically think people think um, there's a common term out there right now, it's, you know, good stress. While that is, is, is true to an extent, there's, uh, there's, it creates some confusion around what stress is. So good stress is actually a better term for that is, the um, feeling and the experience of embracing a challenge. When mm-hmm. we embrace a challenge, it's no longer stressful. So it, embracing a challenge is having a positive attitude about whatever challenge that is, whether it's a project, a relationship issue, a sporting event, whatever challenge it is, when we embrace it, we actually increase our performance and it's no longer stressful. We're, we're engaged with it. We're um, we're having a positive attitude about it. So mm-hmm. to answer your question of how do individuals maintain a balanced condition when they're experiencing stress, it's almost they can't because by definition, stress is, un, is an unbalanced condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how to check that, you know, just to, to know if you're in the state of stress, it's really to learn the skill of checking in with yourself, of self-awareness as um, paying attention to your internal environment, mm. and so it takes it takes a skill to um, to become self aware. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, then this leads to a, a, another question: that uh, how can stress impact premature aging and physical? Well. The state of stress can decrease our immune function, our reproductive function, and decrease our healing. Um, and we have, uh, you know, cortisol is the hormone that is known as mm-hmm. the stress hormone. And is a, you know, it has a bad rap, 
that we actually do need cortisol in our system. Without it, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. The problem comes when we have too much of it. And so when we have a mm. chronic elevation, like a chronic cortisol elevation, elevation, that's when we have too much cortisol in our system. We get things mm. like high blood pressure, reduced morning, heart disease, um, skin uh, doesn't heal as well. Um, so like slower wound healing, this leads to um, like having a lot of cortisol also leads to osteoporosis, uh, brain cell mm. death. Um, and also um, there is a genetic component as well. So on the ends of our genes, on the ends of our chromosomes, there's something called telomeres. And these are mm. uh, repetitive sequences, DNA sequences, uh, that protect the end of the chromosome from fraying or getting tangled. You can kind of think of it at the end of your zipper on the church keeps the zipper together, <laughs> that's really what these uh, telomeres do. Um, but stress actually causes it to, um, to to decrease its length. So, okay, so every time a cell divides, this telomere, this repetitive sequence, gets shorter. Mm. And actually, biologists say that it gets 1% shorter every year. And this process is slow and stable. So biologists can actually um, measure your biological aging by how short your telomeres are on the end of your chromosomes. Mm. So when we're stressed, our telomeres shorten faster than 1% per year. So biologists think or consider that the telomere length is the most mm. accurate measure of aging. So sometimes, you know, the biological age of the, you know, the telomere length may not equal your chronological age. So you may be 50 years old chronologically, but you might be 40 or 60 years old biologically, mm. depending on mm -hmm. how long your chromosome, your, your telomere lengths are. So stress damages the telomeres and shortens them, and this means that the cells can't divide as often because mm. like, like before they die because those telomeres are protecting the, the DNA. And when they're, when they're too short, the, the cell dies. So this is a, like a genetic component of how stress influences our cells and our aging and our health. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, very beautifully explained, uh, but... Uh, as you know, we are talking about mental health and especially about stress. And uh, we also know that in 2023, it is impossible to, to speak about this issue without touching the subject of COVID, you know. So I want you to know that in your experience, how COVID has impacted people's life, uh, uh, especially uh, speaking about stress. Um, I'm sorry, I can't hear you that well. Is it like when you said COVID? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I my mean, personal in, life is. Yeah, sure. I mean, in 2023, uh, we just came out of COVID, and it certainly has impacted many people's life. And uh, so I wanted to have your experience. Uh, what was your experience like um, in terms of? Uh, such people uh, whose life has been impacted by COVID, um, specifically talking about stress. Um, 
Yeah. Well, for me, COVID impacted me in... I was I was more concerned to see how COVID taught everyone to fear everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, we our humanness of wanting to gather, we suddenly started to look at each other as dangerous instead of um, our social belonging. Um, and so that that's the thing that impacted me the most. It wasn't me personally. It was more of looking at humanity and seeing how are we going to come back from this when people mm-hmm. are afraid of people. So for mm-hmm. me, that's, you know, that's the way it's impacted me personally is I wasn't so concerned about getting sick or my loved ones getting sick of mm-hmm. you know, whatever's going to happen or not. That For me personally, that wasn't my concern. It was looking at how us humans treat each other and look at each other and view each other as dangerous instead of, our place of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, I have a very interesting question. Um, so basically, I have seen myself many young people who are in their early 20s and they have gray hair. So mm-hmm. uh, in such cases, uh, whether the stress factor is involved or other factors like uh, genes or nutrient uh, deficiency or or any other kind of environmental factors are involved? So I don't know if I can speak to gray hair specifically, but I definitely know that the aging component, uh, and gray mm-hmm. hair is included, but uh, but stress is known to increase the, acceler- accelerate aging. And that can be from the genetic component that I mentioned earlier about telomeres. But also there are stress influences, not just the telomere length, but the end of the genetics, at the end of the chromosome, sorry. Um, it, it can change the structure of the DNA. So it doesn't change the sequences of the DNA. It, it changes the way our, our genetics, our DNA is expressed. So what proteins are produced and when. So our stress and our mental state, our emotional state, determines what genes turn on and off, what genes are expressed or not expressed. So, you know, hair color. And again, I don't know for sure the exact um, sequence of events to create gray hair, but Mm -hmm. the aging process in particular, it it can be from the cortisol, it can be from genetic changes and the way that the the DNA is expressed. So the stress that Mm -hmm. we experience and the emotions that create that stress. So those negative emotions of anger, fear, worry, um, grief, sadness, that create the stress in us. Mm-hmm. Those, that stress releases cortisol and also changes the way our genetics get expressed, our genes get expressed. Mm-hmm. And that can create the, the state of rapid aging or accelerated aging. Mm-hmm. So basically, another factor for causing stress is anger. So uh, what can we do to control anger? Well, first of all, there's really no quick fix to anger. (laughs) Um, But anger in in the moment, um, it really takes the first thing, like the first thing to do is to increase your self-awareness. And again, that's, that's a skill. And the skill I mean, to practice. It's a, it's a not, big issue for most of us, I would, I would say that. Yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think mm. I, I think another reason that anger might be a big issue for a lot of us is because somehow in our society it's a more acceptable emotion than, you know, pain or hurt or we, we don't want to show vulnerability in our society um, nowadays. It's almost like if you can be assertive and aggressive and put up your emotional armor, then somehow we feel safer. And so anger mm. has become almost a more acceptable form of more acceptable cover to the emotion we're really experiencing, whether it's hurt or fear or worry, and it's masked as anger. So how to mm. control that? I think increasing your self-awareness of when you are starting to feel angry um, and breathe, <laughs> you know, like take a moment and pause. And again, that, that is a skill to yeah. just, again, find out what really matters <laughs> and, and that in the forefront. But it starts I mean, small. It's like, yeah. What factors make a person's uh, emotions unstable? Oh, I think the factors that make a person's emotions unstable, I think we would like to say that is genetics, <laughs> but I really okay. think that genetics plays a very small component. Like there, it's a small component to it. I think a lot of it has to do with skills, um, your skills in regulating your emotions. Some people just, we were never taught. We were, we weren't taught or shown. We weren't given mm. an example when we were young um, or as we're older, um, you know, for example, um, not being taught or shown this, there's several of my clients that I have that are actually surprised to learn that stress doesn't just happen to them. You know, they actually have some power and some control in the matter. They have some say in the matter. So I think that that also, you know, plays in, in, in the stability of someone's emotions is they don't know that they can be stable. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think another component is, is trauma throughout our life. So, you know, mm. that could be like the way the, um, you know, um, oh, his name is flipping my mind here. Uh, Gabor Mate. Uh, he is a researcher, uh, a doctor, a psychologist in trauma. And so he kind of mm. classifies big T trauma as, you know, like the natural disasters or abuse or, you know, really big things in our life. But there's also the small T trauma which is, you know, being picked last for the, the baseball team or, um, you know, you thought you looked really good coming out of your, your out of the bathroom at home and, you know, you, you dressed yourself up and you look good and then your mm-hmm. sister says something to you and you feel small. You know, those yep. little traumas in life and that can create um, emotional instability. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And please, could you, you know, tell us, um, for our listeners, on what you do to help people overcome stress and live happier? The way I work in my business, it's called the Stress Experts, and I, my goal is to help others become a stress expert, be, be expert in their own stress. doesn't mean you need all the answers to stress. Uh, it just it's to regulate your emotions and to know to have the skills and the tools and know when to apply those those skills and tools so that you can live a 
healthier, happier, more fulfilling life. So I enlighten, equip, and empower is the way that I, I do this in my business and in my practice. Enlighten is education about what stress really is, where it comes from, um, and also learning about you know, being enlightened about yourself and the way that you are, you know, that's the Enneagram comes in, the Enneagram personality system is to learn what motivates you, what drives you, why does, why does this thing trigger you and it doesn't trigger anything, anyone else, you know, what makes you different, what makes you tick? So the enlightenment part is education and learning, education, stress in general about your physiology and how stress affects it and learning about yourself. And then there's equip. So it's using, I, I teach research-based tools um, mm. and even research-based technology. So people can really get a, can, can be empowered. And that's that third principle I talk about um, is to become that, their own stress expert, to become empowered to be their own stress expert. So a Greek philosopher uh, named Archimedes, and he said, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. So mm. really what I do is I, you just need the right tools and skills to use tools, and you can make a big change. So that's, yeah. that's really what I do to help people overcome stress is learn the tools and the know-how to use them so that they can live that happier life that they're, they're wanting to. Uh, I mean, thank you very much, uh, Liz Sanders. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time out into uh, it was a pleasure yes. to have you. Uh, thank you so much. May God bless you and the Well, thank you very much for having me, and uh, God bless you too. Welcome back. So, this was um, uh, Louis Sanders, uh, who was interviewed by Daniel Ahmed, um, and a very interesting and long discussion. Um, about stress, grey hair, and uh, things like that. Right, Daniel? Yep. I mean, um, a very interesting point came to my mind right now that uh, it's always very interesting uh, that, you know, nowadays it became a trend kind of um, that people, um, they keep grey hair as a mm. fashion trend. Have yeah, you yeah. Have you noticed that? Yes, people are, uh, especially like uh, people celebrities, in sports, celebrities oh, yeah. in football, um, they dye their hair. Uh, it's more like white or uh, kind of um, like a blonde color yeah, It sometimes. is kind of gray hair, I would yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I would say that it is one of, uh, of the ways to tackle uh, the stress issue as well. I mean, mm. if, you, if, you, if you are proud of keeping gray hair, then obviously you are not stressing anymore. Well, one less thing to worry about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I think I, I think if you have like a whole head of grey hair, yeah. then it just means you're old. And by that time, people don't really care that much. It's more like when you have a little bit grey hair, a little bit black hair, and that's when people worry that, oh, it, it doesn't look good. I think mm. that's that's the problem. That uh, I mean, I, I think uh, the people who are in their 20s or 30s, they are kind of get worried or uh, that they are getting gray hair, but who are in their forties or I believe in their fifties, uh, they are kind of very relaxed about uh, getting gray hair. Mm. Probably, mm, I think they've been be stressing the for past few years, so they're like, they yeah, it's enough. <laughs> no, it's no point. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, um, a little bit about stress and uh, 
aging, um, obviously, as you have heard in the interview, that um, high levels of chronic stress have have been strongly, you know, associated with accelerated aging. Um, that means that you will look older um, much faster if you start stressing. And uh, research conducted by a uh, Nobel Elizabeth Blackburn and her colleagues discovered that chronic psycholog psychological stress can affect uh, telomeres, which are uh, protective caps at the end of our chromosomes that shorten as cells divide. Shortens, shortened telomeres are uh, associated with cellular aging and increased risk of age-related disease. Um, and the, the, the Farmingham Heart Study, uh, a long-term study focused on uh, cardiovascular health, found that individuals with higher levels of uh, perceived stress exhibited signs of accelerated aging. And uh, there's various other researches uh, regarding this. Uh, the Whitehall um, study, uh, the Whitehall study conducted among British civil servants explored the impact of chronic stress on aging. It revealed that individuals in high-stress occupations had a higher risk of age-related diseases, including cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, and cognitive decline. The study provided compelling evidence linking stress to accelerated aging and adverse health outcomes. Um, while stress may have an impact on aging, there are always ways to manage and reduce its effect. Um, uh, obviously, um, uh, Louis Anderson, uh, Louis Sanders has uh, also explained this um, in the interview. Uh, yeah, so um, <clears throat> a little bit, you know, what happens to our body is that it is kind of it goes into a fight mode, and uh, it's triggering a series of psychological responses when we stress. Uh, the brain releases stress hormones, um, then uh, the heart rate increases, blood pressure increases, uh, and respira respiration. Um, uh, starts to prepare for um, action. This can result in a rapid heartbeat, tense muscles, and shallow breathing. So all these factors, obviously, if you're using your body more, you will um, age, you know, faster. Uh, naturally, uh, we will be talking a bit more about this after the after a short break. Uh, also, we will um, discuss, uh, you know, what does Islam say about a stressful life, how to deal with it, mm. um, because stress is um, it's, it's never ending. It's not going to stop <laughs> until the end. Um, uh, but yeah, so especially we'll, in this day and age. Um, yes, especially now. There's so many mental health diseases, yeah. stresses. I think people have forgotten about stress. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll take a short break and we'll be back after the break, news break. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the breakfast show. It's uh, Tuesday, 7th November, 8.03. We are discussing stress, um, how to deal with stress. Um, and uh, we had some interesting, uh, we had an interesting discussion. Uh, um, Daniel here, my colleague, had an interesting discussion with um, um, a guest earlier as well uh, about this. And we have been talking about uh, um, gray hair, what's causing gray hair. Um, so a little bit more about this topic. Um, uh, I, I was just talking about uh, what happens to the body uh, when, when when we stress uh, before the break. Um, so continuing on this, that the, the stress response. So the, the stress response uh, involves um, the release of stress hormones. So when you when you start stressing, your body goes into a, a fight mode, as as we uh, said earlier, triggering a, a series of psychological responses um, and increases your blood pressure, your heart rate, um, and your breathing. 
and uh, in that response um, the release of stress hormones happens that can impact various systems in the body uh, cortisol known as the primary stress hormone increase glucose production in the liver providing immediate energy for the body to respond to a perceived threat and over time chronically elevated uh, cortisol mm -hmm. levels due to ongoing stress can disrupt the immune system impair memory and um, also uh, cognitive function and lower the body's ability to repair and uh, regenerate cells and this can lead to increased susceptibility to the to the diseases sorry uh, poor sleep quality mood changes and even weight gain and all these factors um, if you notice are related to aging and uh, um, for example sleep poor sleep sleeping is very important because uh, you know you've probably heard that I need my beauty sleep uh, sleeping actually uh, regenerates your skin cells and uh, makes you look fresh healthy and young so having good sleep um, will lead to a, a um, slower aging process mood changes if you if you're um, sometimes angry uh, um, um, you, you see you know on your face you constantly like um, screwing your face and um, then you will leave those marks behind and um, uh, all these factors uh, they, they um, you know add to your to your aging which is which is already happening weight gain for example uh, I mean weight gain can also cause additional stress to some people because uh, you know you, you care about how you look you some people a lot of people actually worried that are gaining weight um, yeah so um, I mean Daniel is uh, what do you think about sleep I know you love sleeping do you think you're gonna age uh, slower? Uh, I mean, I, everybody loves uh, sleep, but uh, I believe I don't sleep that that long. Um, I sleep normal like other people. That's but, I've, but I've known people who, who <laughs> love sleeping for the whole day. <laughs> Usman knows as well. Um, but um, as you are also talking about the obesity, and obesity is a big problem uh, in Western countries where. Uh, people eat a lot of fast food and um, mm. that's, uh, that causes the obesity and it also, you know, um, causes that leads to another problem which is stress. Yeah. So, um, mm. uh, that's so uh, sorry, I, I need to ask you a question because this is Voice of Islam. What's yep. Islam's solution? Um, I think one verse which comes to my mind, um, obviously in... in uh, regarding stress, you know, a stressful life that Allah the Almighty states in the Holy Quran that whoever is absent from my remembrance, mm. he will have a, a stressful, um, a, a difficult life. That's that's a claim God makes. That mm. uh, if you don't remember me, what's going to happen is that uh, you're going to try to, you know, you're, you're going to have financial issues, you're going to have uh, psychological issues, physical issues, and uh, you will be hopeless and helpless because. Uh, in, if you have a disease, who can you turn to? I mean, there, even nowadays, there's so many diseases like cancer, for example, that there's no cure to it, really. And uh, you are hopeless that, you know, the doctors can't help you, medicine can't help you. Mm. Who do you turn to? You know, and Allah Almighty states in the Holy Quran that surely in Allah's remembrance do the hearts find peace, mm. you know, true peace. I mean, um, I always say that um, our, our body is wired in such a way uh, biology is, uh, is wired in such a way that it is um, in our nature to serve our 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 God. Mm. Yeah. 
so when it becomes your nature and uh, i mean when it is your nature and you are trying to p- fulfill your nature your purpose then obviously you will be your life will be stress free hmm. when you deviate from that path uh, obviously you find some uh, difficulties um, you also you also going to find difficulties in this path but in this path the thing is uh, you will get the solutions um, on the way as well and you will not find any kind of stress Mm. uh but um and obviously that's uh, that's a very beautiful point you has also made that surely in the remembrance of allah do heart uh, find peace and there's one more point uh, which allah the almighty mentions in the holy quran that you know he does not burden any soul beyond its capacity so mm. if we remember that if we are put under some kind of burden then we should remember that it cannot be beyond our capacity mm-hmm. and we can deal with it but if we pray to allah that give me the capacity give uh, so give me the capacity to deal with such a situation then obviously god almighty will help you and uh, that's the best possible solution uh, a person could have yes definitely um you also mentioned the purpose of life i mean the uh, uh, allah almighty mentioned in the holy quran that i have not created the jinn and the man <clears throat> except uh, to worship me yeah um so why why is the purpose of life i mean worshiping god why if somebody has a different purpose uh, do you think he will ever feel fulfilled he will feel like i've reached my purpose uh i don't think uh, you can say that i have fulfilled my purpose um i mean it's a journey i would say mm-hmm. uh, it's a journey um and it's a very short um lifespan probably 70 80 years Uh, a person can live uh, on average uh, i mean for example we are sitting in the studio and speaking in the mic and the purpose of the mic is to get the voice yeah and to convey the message to the to the world to the listeners mm-hmm. similarly everything has a purpose in this life um, whether it is a living thing or non living thing and similarly we have a purpose and um, that purpose was given us by our creator so, mm. so you can you know give, give any any name to that creator allah or god or uh, khuda but him being the creator it does not you know change the fact yeah now that's that's very important because uh, let's say a scientist makes a a machine mm. the computer was created it had a purpose yeah. the computer does not know that i was created to you know run mm. algorithms and create uh, sound and show things on the screen mm. the creator of the computer of the system knew what the purpose is mm, yeah certainly okay now if i go to uh, let's say i go to siri or google and i, I ask google mm. what is your purpose google will tell me that my purpose is to uh, do this or do that maybe okay mm. i don't know i haven't tried it <laughs> maybe if you put in a uh, chat uh, gpt they will tell you that the purpose of machines is to do this to replace human and help them in work and stuff but when you as if you don't tell that machine if that information is not fed into the system that your purpose is this mm. the machine will never know right yeah and the we humans are everything which is which is created in terms of technology is is copied from humans copied from nature 
Certainly. Okay? Like glasses, lights, everything is copied from nature. And if you copy something from nature, we have to put our own, uh, you know, we have to put the information inside the system so the system knows what, what its purpose is. Mm. I mean, if I press enter, the computer needs to know what, what action he has. The, the computer has to do if I press enter. In the same way, humans have a purpose, mm. which humans themselves can't figure out themselves. Mm. You can't say that, oh, my purpose in life is this. Yes, this might be your opinion, your thought. Yeah. But the the person, the being, which Who can has tell you the purpose you, yeah. is only your creator because he created you. Yep, certainly. Yeah, that's a very beautifully, um, beautiful point and beautifully explained. I mean, um, Osman, do we have a clip regarding um, this uh, specific segment? Yes, we do. Um, but before we go to that, um, uh, just one more narration from the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You can take this as a cure for you know depression or stress. Mm. Uh, it was that. Um, I mean, it's a very simple thing, but uh, it's just a narration, a beautiful thing about the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I mean, simple things are the solution for exactly. the complex I mean, things. Uh, Hazrat Abdullah bin Haris, uh, a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, narrated that I have never seen a man who was as cheerful as the Prophet of God. And I've never seen a man who, who smiled more than the Holy Prophet. Mm. Now, we have to take to, into account that the amount of, uh, you know, uh, difficulties and stress he had to go through his life is immense. 13 years of persecution in Mecca. I mean, there's also it's, a beautiful saying that he, in which he says that um, smiling is also a form of charity. Exactly. It I mean, says if you smile at a person, yeah. uh, you might not be happy, but other person will will maybe looking at you will, will get happy. Yeah, so it um, gives the positive vibes. Yes. Um, I, yes, you mentioned we have a short clip. It's not exactly about um, stress. It's mm. more about health. It's about health, about medicine. And um, uh, it's a clip of um, the fourth uh, caliph, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed. Uh, I think it's very important because he mentioned some... Um, because uh, we have medicines like antidepressants nowadays. Mm. And uh, he um, um, just speaks about this, that there is another kind of medicine which is called homeopathy and how that can um, be beneficial to your life. So let's listen into that. There I can tell you one other secret. Turn to homeopathy. If you want to remain really healthy, it's very important to get rid of the allopathic system of drugging. The system itself is so cruel that it destroys your livers, your other glands, directly attacks the heart, etc., kidneys, because when it confronts the presence of viruses or bacteria in the body, it must kill them. And the poisons which are essential for killing life are given to you in the name of drugs. And they have no other alternative but to do that. So it is very naive to believe that they would kill only selectively the foreign elements which are not uh, wanted in the system. When they are powerful and potent enough to kill some forms of life, they also incidentally injure some other forms of life within your system. And no sane allopath would deny this. You know, some quacks may say, no, 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 it's not right. Everybody knows how the liver function is affected adversely, how the heart function is affected, how kidneys 
receive a negative, uh, you know, uh, are uh, injured sometimes in the membranes within, which is, which is called mucous membranes. And because of overmuch of antibiotics or overmuch of aspirin or overmuch of other such things. So ever since I started homeopathy, I felt that I'm feeling definitely with the grace of Allah much better than before. So that was uh, just a short clip on uh, homeopathy. Uh, a very, um, you know, miraculous um, medicine. Um, there's not much, um, there's actually a lot of research on it, but it's not very uh, well known as allopathy. And the reason for that is like it's it's a slow process. Homeopathy kind of, um, you know, kills the 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 the, the beginning of the disease rather than uh, it's more of a prevention uh, instead of a cure. So it can be very effective if taken, uh, you know, at the right time and uh, if you take the right medicine. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is this brings us to the end of our first segment. Very stressful segment for us, um, uh, but yeah. So we 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 tried to give you a, a gist of uh, you know um, how to deal with stress. Maybe maybe not as much, but how how stress is caused. What um, why it causes gray hair. So don't worry about your gray hairs. Uh, eventually, everybody uh, you know naturally is gonna grow. You're gonna get gray hair. So uh, I think I personally have just embraced it um, instead of worrying about it. Um, to be honest, I'm not that old, um, but still. Anyways, we'll take a short break and then uh, we'll go on to our next segment, um, which uh, is about, which is out of this world. We will be going to Mars for this one, and we have uh, also two experts on this who will be um, discussing, and the, the, the who will who will uh, tell us is it possible to live there? Uh, I mean, Elon Elon Musk is also trying to go to Mars. So uh, very interesting topic again. <laughs> he is not trying to go mass. Uh, he would send his mission to there. If he goes yeah. there, that's a bit... <laughs> well, he's not planning on going himself, I think. Well, he said that um, he, he doesn't think in his lifetime he'll make it. But let's see about this. We'll take a short break and stay with us. We're going to Mars uh, soon. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. The Appreciator, the one who bestows his grace on his servants, which he abundantly grants in response to meager and trifle efforts of his servants. And Allah will soon bestow a great reward upon the believers, and Allah is appreciating, all knowing. Allah, Allah. 
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you, upon everyone. Uh, welcome back uh, to the breakfast show. <clears throat> Uh, as you know, as, the, as if you have been listening, we just uh, um, finished our first segment about uh, stressful life. Um, and now we're going to move on to our second segment. Daniel, what is the second segment? Uh, I mean, thankfully, this segment is going to be more lively uh, than the first segment. I mean, the first segment is uh, kind of uh, informative, but uh, this kind of very interesting and uh, more lively, I would say. So the gist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the gist of the story is uh, that scientists uh, hypothesis that there was once a magnetic field uh, similar to the magnetic field generated by Earth's core uh, due to traces of uh, magnetism left in the Martian crust. Um, there are some uh, scientists uh, who says that they have noted that this may mean that Mars uh, gradually evolved until it uh, it reached its current state uh, changing from a planet with a potentially habitable environment uh, to a very hostile one according to the researchers internal conditions uh, played a key role in this evolution as did the impact of uh, violence mm-hmm. um, <coughs> yeah very interesting um, i mean so I, I like space uh, plexus um, stars not really stars, but uh, let's keep it to the Milky Way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like space uh-huh. movies, for example, or yeah. just interesting things about space. Um, I, I, when I was younger, I even wanted to be a, uh, an astronomer. But uh, have uh, you have you ever uh, ever experienced a shooting star? By the shooting way, shooting star. I don't think so. No, I think mm. maybe when I was younger, <laughs> uh, it's like vaguely in my mind. Maybe I saw one, but I didn't know about shooting stars then. I was too young. <laughs> have you seen one? I might have. <laughs> I also can't remember. <laughs> yeah, but I was telling you this. Uh, I was I was um, going for the morning prayer this morning, and I was looking at the sky. It was very clear, mm. and there was some stars. They were really, really bright, um, and uh, and just uh, thinking about it, there was also a plane next to it. So, just a quick fact about you, for you that uh, how to distinguish a star from a plane. That a star is uh, flickering, you know? Yeah. It, it it doesn't just, it's not just a constant light. It's sometimes it's flickering, like it's on off, on off, uh, mm-hmm. like blinking. Uh, that's how you can you can tell it's a, it's a star or I think that's how you can, a different, uh, the difference between a star and a planet. The, yeah. the star is flickering, whereas the planet is. But at night time, you constant. can't see any planets um, at night time. You can only see the stars because um, mm. they are, um, they are very similar to the sun, our solar planet. So that's why they uh, illuminate and we can see the, yes. them in the at night time. Yes, yeah, so uh, right now we are talking about um, a certain planet, <coughs> which is Mars. And uh, um, for that, we have um, our, our first guest on the line. Um, obviously, we don't know much about space, but we have some experts here. We have uh, with us uh, James uh, um, Riordan. Uh, sorry about the pronunciation. Uh, James Riordan is a science journal- journalist who uh, writes about space, astronomy, and uh, astrophysics for science news magazines. He is a former um, particle acceler- accelerator physicist with the uh, superconducting supercollider 
some huge words. I'll just take him on the line and let him let him introduce himself a little bit. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Uh, good morning, James. Um, welcome to the breakfast show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good morning to you too. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Uh, you, you're joining us all the from, from from Canada. It's very, very early over there, I assume. Uh, I hope we're not disturbing your sleep. Uh, yeah, no, not too bad. <laughs> we, the clock's just changed, so it's it's better than it was yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm, great. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, um, obviously, it's always uh, a pleasure to have some some someone more experienced in this topic. So, uh, if you've been listening, we we're talking about the planet Mars and um, this uh, recent discovery uh, about seismic waves. Um, um, so, uh, how how do seismic waves occur on Mars? And um, um, can they be a sign of life? Um, are we able to maybe go to Mars now? Well, it's it's not so much a sign of life because the the, the earthquakes on Mars are formed in, in a different way than they are on Earth. So on Earth we have uh, a, a fairly fluid layer with the the tectonic plates <clears> on <throat> top of them, and they move around and crash and things. On Mars, it has more to do with uh, with the planet shrinking. Um, it's it was there was a lot of energy in it when it was when uh, <laughs> the material that formed Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, came together, and it was very molten at the beginning, and so was the Earth. It's very similar to the Earth at the beginning. Um, and as it cools, it it, uh, it 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 shrinks a little bit, and it cracks. Okay. And so these cracks end up creating the, uh, the the seismic waves. The other source of the seismic waves is meteorites that, that strike the planet. Mm-hmm. So there are many fewer earthquakes on Mars than there are on Earth. Yes. And the nice thing is that that you 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 know here you have to worry about where you live. There might be earthquakes. There might be uh, uh, <coughs> volcanoes. There there are a lot fewer than there are here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I I didn't explain it either. Can you tell us just a bit about what what is a seismic wave first of all? Well, seismic wave is anytime you have a, a, a big shock in a planet mm-hmm. that uh, cause basically vibrations that go through the planet. So. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing that that happens if you if you drop something in one side of the house and you feel the vibrations somewhere else. Uh, it's just these waves moving through the earth. And there are usually two types: one that that moves um, uh, back and forth, which is like sound waves in the air, yeah. and the one that moves sideways, which is more like the way uh, light moves. Mm-hmm. And the two different types of waves can tell you different things about the planet. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, in previous years, uh, the scientist uh, was shocked by the discovery of a scientist group um, that uh, they have found evidence of of life on Mars. So, why do researchers now, you know, they kind of find that the surface of this planet does not support life? Well, it it currently isn't a very hospitable place for for life, but it may have been in the past. Uh, at least on the surface, but that doesn't mean that there's not life underneath. Mm-hmm. So it, it isn't flourishing the way our planet is. So, uh, but it, right now there, it doesn't have much to protect it from the, the radiation from the sun and from cosmic waves from space. So it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a great place on the surface. Mm-hmm. So it's a little like uh, if you were to use heat or light to sterilize something on, on our planet, it, it would kill the microbes and the bacteria and things. Because the this can be stopped by the material of the surface, there could be life underneath. It's it's, it's hard to say. We'd have to go pretty deep um, because the radiation from space and the sun can go pretty deep. 
But mm-hmm. certainly um, there's evidence of flowing water at least at one point on Mars. Now, we're not going to see big creatures wandering around on the surface and probably won't see uh, any underneath either, but there could be signs of, of microbes and things uh, deeper inside the planet. And it's going to take some work to get there, but you can't just land a robot on Mars and have it toddle around and see life. Yeah. You're going to have to go deep, and you're going to have to look for signs of the material of life, the, the, the genetic material that might be uh, left over on the surface of the planet. Um, I mean, um, uh, researchers does find that uh, the Mars cannot support life. But is it artificially possible that uh, we can make life thrive uh, on Mars somehow? It it would be hard. It'd be a lot harder than, say, making a a desert uh, habitable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that that it's impossible. One of the problems with Mars is because it's so small, it's hard to get the the atmosphere to stay, Mm -hmm. to make an atmosphere that that you could breathe on the surface. It would slowly leak off into space. Um, but there's, you know, you could, if uh, if we do send people for extended stays, then we would probably um, have to find ways to do it under the, you know, in inside the planet. We have to dig underneath to protect ourselves from the from radiation from space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, you know, we have people living in the International Space Station for extended periods. So yeah. is life possible up there? It is. It's not. It's not easy. It's not fun. And you're not going to have a planet that's green and covered in trees. But you could find other ways to survive on Mars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, James, how how much colder is Mars than Earth? It's a it's a bit further away from the sun. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have the temperature at my fingertips right now. It is it is definitely. Uh, colder and the temperatures fluctuate a great deal um Mm -hmm. i like uh, i know certainly when you're in in space in the international space station when you're facing the sun it's quite hot and when you're away facing the other direction it's extraordinarily cold Mm -hmm. um and so mars i as i said i don't have the temperature but it's the same sort of a thing it it gets fairly uh warm when the sun is shining on it and mm-hmm. it gets colder because it doesn't have the earth, the atmosphere to blanket it and keep it more consistent so there are those large uh temperature fluctuations and also there's a lot less light because they're they are farther away but there you know venus earth and mars are all sort of within a range of the sun that the temperatures would have been reasonable with a reasonable atmosphere it's just that uh, mm-hmm. uh venus being a little closer and having a different history had a runaway greenhouse effect and mars being a little farther away and smaller lost its atmosphere and its warming blanket yeah yeah it's it's um, i mean it's quite far away from here i think <clears throat> um, i think uh the, the the earth rotates in 365 days and mars takes about 687 days um mm-hmm. you know yeah so that's it's just the distance um, from the sun, that's why it also takes longer. Uh, another right, question. So you have a much more dramatic temperature fluctuation. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, another question is about um, schnapp. Uh, so there are these um, um, elements you need for life: uh, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. Um, there is some research which suggests that all these um, elements are present on Mars. Um, so do you think that? There is enough of these uh, these elements, or um, uh, if we only look at these elements, is it possible to live on Mars? Uh, it, it's well, I, 
I, I think it is. I, I, there are they they are looking at ways that they can uh, free up oxygen on the planet. You want you don't want to have to take all of your oxygen and all of your your water mm-hmm. with you. Um, so it's a little tricky. The the oxygen is is that's why it's the red planet. It's bound up in in rust basically. But you can certainly ex- extract that sort of a thing. It's not going to be easy. Um, but there, it's it's not terribly complicated chemistry. So mm-hmm. I, I think that it's certainly feasible to to live for extended periods. But it, again, you're going to have to protect yourselves from uh, the the harsh environment because you don't have the the magnetic field that protects you from radiation and the and the atmosphere that that stabilizes your the temperatures. Yeah, a lot of challenges. Um, I mean, you were a particle accelerator yourself, um, a particle accelerator physicist. Um, tell tell us a bit about uh, about this. What what is a particle accelerator and what does it do? So what they what most particle accelerators do is they uh, they smash to, they take particles, elementary particles like electrons or protons. Uh, you're familiar with the the parts that make up with atom make up atoms. Yes. Um, and they uh, use electric fields and magnetic fields to control them and to accelerate them to very high energies. They either smash them into other moving particles or into things that are sitting still, and we see what happens when that huge explosion of energy happens. And so you can create uh, bursts of matter and antimatter and look for new particles. Uh, that's how they fa- found the Higgs boson, which is the particle that explains where, where mass comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the since they first started making particle accelerators in the early part of the of the century, uh, we've discovered many particles, quarks, and and various types of antimatter over the over the century. Interesting. And what can uh, you know the studies uh, that are being done on Mars tell us about the formation of the Earth? Um, oh yeah, well. Yeah. The, well, the fascinating thing about the Earth and Mars is, and according to the scientists that I talked to for some of the articles that I've written, they point out that both the Earth and Mars and Venus had very similar beginnings. Mm-hmm. And so had if you had seen those planets when they first formed, you wouldn't see a whole lot of difference as, as material came together and, and got molten and then cooled down and produced the planets. So the question is, why did... Venus end up much, much too hot, and uh, Mars much, well, it lacks its atmosphere, it's too small, uh, too cold, is, it's more complicated than that. But why is Earth just right? Why, why did these three planets diverge? Yeah. And you can sort of look at Mars and Venus as these snapshots of what could have gone wrong and what went so completely right when it, came, when it comes to the Earth. Now we can study planets like Mars and Earth and try to understand how planets in other places might form and where we might find planets that, uh, unlike Mars and unlike Venus, are much more like Earth, that you could potentially uh, see life arising and have a nice, lush environment like we have. What would have to go right and what what goes wrong Mm -hmm. to produce a planet like Mars or Venus? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Lastly, a slightly personal question. Um, Do you like space movies? Oh, I, I I love space movies. Yes, absolutely. And you know, there are some that the tendency is to uh, to to look for flaws when you're a scientist. Sometimes to say, you know, for instance, you you can't hear somebody drop something on an asteroid. But I I love the suspension of disbelief and a little bit of science to 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 motivate it. And then the the the, the mystery and the excitement of being in space or being on a planet. 
and absolutely we're you know right now we're looking at going to to mars and making some of these uh things that were science fiction now uh, come to reality yes definitely i mean i watched the marsh and i really loved that movie um um, especially how how he survived on potatoes, uh, that was fascinating <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so me, it, uh, not, you know, yeah. Maybe it would always be fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So obviously, us as non-scientists, uh, we are just mind blown by it. Uh, we, I mean, we don't have the knowledge to find faults. So we just uh, enjoying the movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I've, and I think most. Most scientists do, unless they're, you have one of those ones in the room that likes to uh, point out all the flaws, and that's, that's no fun <laughs> at all. Yes. Great. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it was a pleasure speaking to you, um, and uh, thank you for you know joining us this early in the morning, extra early for you. And, uh, uh, thank you. It was yeah, really that nice was a being pleasure here. being on. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Okay, have a nice day. Thank you, James. Thank you. <clears throat> Bye-bye. So that was uh, James uh, Riordan, um, all the way from Canada, joining us. Um, he is a science journal- journalist who writes about space, astronomy, and astrophysics for Science News magazine. Um, and uh, he was a particle accelerator uh, physicist as well, who we, um, he mentioned it a little bit. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, thank you, uh, James, for joining us. It was uh, really interesting speaking to you. Uh, now we will go on to our next guest, who is Miss Catherine uh, Regan. Um, Catherine is a final year PhD student studying at the Mullard Space Science Laboratory, University College London, studying the magnetic environment of Mars. And her research uses data from the Mars Express and MAVEN satellite, and she works on understanding how global scale dust storms influence the sensitive um uh, the magnetic field surrounding mars and catherine's background is in environmental science so um she is passionate about uh, increasing accessibility of space as a career uh so let's take on assalamualaikum peace be upon you uh welcome to the breakfast show thank you for having me good morning thank you for joining us um um so yes miss catherine um we as you um might be listening we are talking about mars and the new discovery about the seismic waves on Mars. And I think this is a bit of your field. Um, I think it's related to the magnetic field as well. Uh, so tell us a bit what, what your understanding is and what's your opinion on this uh, new discovery? So it's really exciting because it's, it's the first time we've actually been able to measure seismic waves on a planet other than Earth, which is, which is really cool. Um, and it's all due to the InSight mission, which is the first of its kind. It's really exciting. Um, and what's what's interesting is that we don't really have Mars quakes on Mars like we have earthquakes on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, at Earth, we have our tectonic plates, and, and the movement of those tectonic plates produces earthquakes um, and volcanoes and lots of other features that we're very familiar with. Um, but Mars doesn't have tectonic plates, not that we know of anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the Mars quakes that we're measuring is just due to movement inside the planet, um, so that they're, they're a lot weaker than that. Yeah, to do some really nice science with it and um, kind of deduce some information about what the core is made up of and what the structure of Mars is as well. Mm-hmm. So then, what what are these marsh quakes? Um, uh, how do they? How are they formed? Is it for, from the storms, the winds? 
No, well, so the the winds do actually produce um, a very small kind of signal, and a small seismic signal by the mm-hmm. InSight lander. Um, but the strong ones, it's just through movement inside Mars. Um, so it, it's not kind of really intense movement like we have on Earth. It's not the sinking of plate boundaries. It's just kind of shifting of the internal dynamics. Um, so just the movement of um, mantle and movement of the core, um, but it's not kind of these big, fast, abrupt movements. We we have had some strong Mars quakes, but there are about five on the Richter scale, the strongest one, mm-hmm. um, which um, is is not the strongest we've recorded here on Earth. So we see some signatures of movement inside, um, but as well as being able to record movement in the air, um, we can actually record um, impacts. So we've seen in the in the seismic data. Um, when we get a signal, um, we can actually track that that might be from a or, um, or something hitting the surface of Mars. So from measuring that, we can also um, understand about how the waves are traveling around the planet as well. So there's different sources. There's the weather, which is a very small signal, the kind of impact from space, that's a bit bigger. And then we can get um, strong Mars quakes as well. But strong is, is very relative um, compared to what we get here on Earth. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we are finding out new new things about Mars, and we are seeing that it's very similar to Earth, uh, just like this uh, study as well. This research, this uh, new discovery, that uh, maybe Mars has was like a, a habitable place before, and now it's uh, become more hostile. So mm-hmm. uh, just walk us through this a little bit. How how do you think the the state of Mars changed um, over time? Uh, why is it cooling down? So it's a really interesting area, and it's it's actually linked to what my my PhD is on. It's all about mm-hmm. of Mars. So um, the reason we have life on Earth and the reason we're protected um, from the really harmful radiation from the sun is because we have a magnetic field. Yeah. So our magnetic field is generated from our core, and it produces a kind of invisible force field that surrounds us. So all of the really harmful radiation um, gets deflected around um, and carries on traveling into space. Mm-hmm. Now, Mars does not have a global magnetic field, so it doesn't have this kind of invisible force field. Um, so all the radiation is able to go really, really close to the surface. And um, this radiation is called solar wind. Um, this is what the sun is constantly emitting. Um, and when this reaches Mars, it can react with its very, very thin atmosphere it can give the atmospheric particles a lot more energy, and this mm-hmm. means they can then escape into space. Um, so what we think has happened um, is that this atmospheric loss has happened over billions of years. So if we go back about four billion years ago, we think that Mars probably had a very similar atmosphere to what we have, so it was a lot thicker. Um, and we know from looking at the rocks on Mars that there used to be a global magnetic field. So it used to have a magnetic barrier like we do mm-hmm. about four billion years ago um, but this disappeared and because this disappeared it then exposed the atmosphere to be lost into space so over over billions of years it's been gradually stripped away so the atmosphere has been getting thinner it's been getting colder um, and the water has been lost into space mm-hmm. um, so yeah about four billion years ago when it had a magnetic field it was, probably was very similar to to earth but now it's it's not it's very dry it's very cold and we're not really sure why it lost its magnetic field that's what's quite exciting that depending on who you ask everyone's got a different theory as to why it disappeared 
Um, but that could happen to Earth. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's why researching Mars is so exciting because it's kind of unlocking what could happen to Earth in the future. Yes, interesting. So, so Mars is uh, an older planet than Earth. So we think there were formed similarish times um, mm-hmm. when our solar system was was cooling, but um, the kind of ingredients of life may have been different. And and the insight data with these Mars quakes has actually unveiled a bit of that for us. Um, so from measuring the how the seismic waves travel through Mars, um, the scientists were actually able to discover that there was um, quite a lot of lighter elements in the core. Yeah. Um, so that like sulfur and oxygen, um, there was a very high percentage of that um, inside Mars, whereas Earth, we've got a very low percentage of those lighter elements. So um, it means our cores are actually quite different. So this may mean we both had different means of formation. So although we were, were part of the same solar system, we were part of the rocky planets in our solar system, we might have actually um, formed and evolved in different ways, which is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes, very exciting. I'm, I'm getting all interested in this. Uh, can you tell <laughs> us how, how, how does day and night work on Mars? Is it very similar to Earth? Very, very similar to Earth. Um, so, it, so Mars is tilted um, and it's all to do um, with its rotation along its axis um, facing towards and away from the sun. Um, and it's got a very, very close um, daytime to us. So a day on Mars is 24 hours, but then 37 minutes and 22 seconds. Mm-hmm. So you get nearly an extra 40 minutes on Mars. And I think if I had an extra 40 minutes, I'd definitely spend that in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I just need to appreciate that you uh, woke up this morning, you know, early to, to join us. <laughs> um, no, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we also I'm also aware that you are uh, joined a Eyes on Mars project. Uh, tell us a bit about this. Like, What makes you so uh, interested in, in Mars? Yes, so this is um, this project is something that I've created alongside my PhD. Um, so when I when I joined my PhD back in 2020, um, I initially was meant to be working on the Rosalind Franklin rover, um, which is going to be Europe's first rover to go to Mars. Now, unfortunately, the mission's been delayed for various reasons, um, but it's now going to launch in 2028. So it will be launching in about five years. Um, but when I joined. Um, where I work at the Millard Space Science Laboratory, we're actually the lead institute for the camera that sits on top of the rover. Mm-hmm. So the camera is called PANCAM, um, which stands for Panoramic Camera. Um, and when it goes to Mars, it will take all of the amazing photographs um, and send it back. And here in the UK, we'll be the first people to see these photos, which is really, really cool. Um, so we built this instrument, we designed it with a lead scientist here in the UK, and I thought, mm. this is amazing, why why are we not shouting about this? It's, it's, <laughs> everyone should know about this. Um, so I created this project called Eyes on Mars, which has been funded by um, the Royal Astronomical Society and then the Science and Technology Facilities Council um, in the UK. And basically what Eyes on Mars does is we provide a free activity um, between 7 and 13, um, but I mean, anyone can do it. I'm 25 and I still enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can make their own filter wheel, um, which is exactly like the one that's going to be inside the camera. So each filter has been designed to take photos of different aspects of the Martian environment. So there's some geological filters that will look at the rocks and the minerals, and then there are some atmospheric filters um, that will look at the dust and the water vapor and things in the atmosphere. 
Um, so this activity um, basically provides um, schools and youth groups and anyone that wants to get involved um, with all of the resources to create their own filter wheel that moves um, and they can look through uh, the different colours and see different things around the room. Mm. Um, so I'm really proud of the project. We've reached over 2,000 students across the UK so far. Um, but yeah, we've got all of these free resources. I would just love to send them out to more people across the UK. <laughs> Very interesting. So uh, how long does it take for those pictures to come here um, from, from Mars? So um, the relay time normally is about 11 minutes. Um, that's how we can, that's how fast we can send signals to and from Mars. Um, but the kind mm. of, the orbital configuration of Earth and Mars varies quite a lot over the year. Um, so there's going to be some parts of the year that Earth and Mars are very close together in their orbit around the sun and other times where there could be opposite sides. Um, so it very much depends on the time of year. Um, when they're close together, we can kind of upload mm-hmm. a lot of the data um, more regularly and, and a lot more more quickly. Um, but when um, they're opposite sides of the sun, these signals take quite a lot longer. and The sun blocks out a lot of the signals as well. Um, so at that part, um, we have to kind of wait a while and then do a big downlink of data. Um, it very much depends. But if there was an emergency and we had to send a signal, um, the fastest we can get it there is 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And, and the pictures are uh, you, HD in colour, uh, everything. They, they don't lose any quality? Yes. So there's, there's three different cameras actually on board the Rosalind Franklin rover. There's the high-resolution camera, um, and this will take the kind of really beautiful high definition pictures that we're used to seeing um, from the NASA rovers. So we'll be able to really look at the minerals in detail, um, look at the rock features, hopefully be able to see some like dust devils and things, which would be really nice. And then um, the other two cameras are the um, the wide angle cameras. Um, so these sit on kind of each end of the optical bench and together these will be able to make panoramas so you can get a nice sweeping view. Um, and it's these two cameras that have the filter wheels on. So mm-hmm. there's 11 on each end, so 22 in total. Um, and yeah, and just from one view, we can put different filters um, over the lens and be able to do loads of different types of science um, just from one photograph, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And final question, uh, if you had the chance today, um, there's a rocket going to Mars, would you jump on it? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I mean, the main reason I, I get very travel sick, I don't think I could deal with the turbulence and the spinning. So I think that would put me off. Um, and I mean, it's mm-hmm. just a bit a bit too unsafe and a bit too uncertain. As much as I would love to see humans go to Mars, um, I would quite happily watch that on telly in the comfort <laughs> of my own room. I, I think it, the furthest I would go, I'd like to see Earth from space and be mm-hmm. able to see the whole of Earth in one view. I think that would be incredible. Um, but I think that's far enough for me. I'm, 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 yeah, I don't think I could deal with the motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, hopefully you'll one day be able to do that. Uh, um, thank you. Uh, it was really a pleasure speaking to you. Very interesting. And you gave us, I mean, so much insight and, uh, you know, your expert opinion on this. Uh, it was just amazing talking to you. Thank you, Miss um, uh, Catherine. Uh, I you hope so you enjoyed it as well. Me. And uh, maybe we'll see you again another time on the show. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. And you, bye. <coughs> Ooh, so, so interesting. Those uh, Catherine um, Reagan, in, who is a final year PhD student studying at the Millard Space Science Laboratory, University College London, studying the magnetic environment of Mars. Um, 
and she was, uh, uh, as you could probably tell, very you know excited about the new research as well. Um, and uh, it's just so interesting. Uh, imagine going on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> how, if, how would it be? But like you are, you are also quite you know exciting uh, to go on Mars. Um, but you know, I would like to give you company, but I can't mm-hmm. come with <laughs> you because I have uh, travel sickness. So, <laughs> sorry, apologies from my side. Oh, you have travel sickness as well. <laughs> Anyways, um, that brings us to um, another kind of question. Um, we we are gonna go to Mars, and then we're gonna go to maybe another planet. Mm. When is this gonna stop? It's is there an end to the universe? No, it's a non-stop uh, journey, non-stop. Because there's no limit to knowledge, so. Um, and that's why there is no limit, no stopping to the, that journey as well. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. I'll have a short clip about this. Um, His Holiness Hazrat uh, Mirza Tahir the fourth head of the Hindi Muslim community, uh, also answered this question. Um, so let's listen to what he has to say. Um, is there an end to the universe? Yes, the universe is not infinite, it is finite both in space and in time. So, in fact, space-time are intermingled. Anything anything limited in space has also to be limited in time. So, the the, the physicists are now calculating about the age of the universe. Professor Dr. Abdusalam has his own theory that it is uh, 33 raised to the power of 10 whatever figure it makes, is the age of proton. So, when the matter of which the universe consists of is finite, it has an age, so the whole universe has an age. And the Holy Quran mentions it very clearly and specifically, that a time would come when the entire universe would be rolled up, like the rolling up of scrolls by scribes and it will be wrapped up and will be no more. Then Allah will restart the whole process. Right? Yes. Another interesting, um, um, you know, uh, take of uh, Hazrat Mirza uh, Tahir Ahmed, the fourth head of the Hamdi Muslim community. He was also, uh, you know, a really, really intelligent person. Um, he had uh, just knowledge about everything. Um, yes, yeah, so this is bringing us to, an, to, to the end, unfortunately. It's not the end of the universe, but it's the end of the show. Um, at the end, I would just like to mention a, a something from, from the Holy Quran, uh, just to uh, for the listeners to think about this, that uh, just imagine the Holy Quran was revealed, um, which is proven historically. It was revealed 1,400 years ago, roughly. At that time, people had no idea about space, life, about stars. Uh, there was different views about this. And in, 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 in that you know time period, Allah the Almighty, mentions that uh, and I quote and he has pressed into service for you the night and the day and the sun and the moon and the stars too have been pressed into service by his command surely in that are signs for people who make use of their reason now this is telling us that the night the day the the sun the moon they created for us for our for our purpose for um, uh, for us and in another verse uh, Allah Almighty states that it's not possible for the moon uh, to to uh, overtake the sun or for the sun to overtake the moon which is referring to time 
and these these are things which scientists have found out you know thousands uh, hundreds of years later and this is just proving like one small proof uh, i just wanted to give about uh, the truthfulness of the holy quran i mean the, the holy quran has so many signs in it it has signs and it also has signs that uh, for those people who, who want to reflect on it and this is a proof of its truthfulness that this knowledge with the Quran, which the Quran, Allah the Almighty has revealed uh, so many hundreds, uh, almost uh, uh, over um, a millennia ago, they are being discovered now. So who who had that knowledge at that time? Uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he was an illiterate person. He couldn't read or write. For him, it was impossible to make such claims and to such accuracy that uh, that we see today. So that that proves his truthfulness because there's no other explanation. If there is one, then then bring it to us, give it to us, and um, I mean there isn't. <laughs> uh, anyways, other than the, the the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya uh, Muslim community, uh, who came as a follower of the Holy Prophet, he uh, also mentioned that um, he showed convincingly that modern science and philosophy cannot overawe the Holy Quran. They cannot show any contradiction between the Quran. Quran, the Holy Quran and reason Science was uh, concerned with nature The handiwork of God The Quran was the word of God Both his handiwork and his word Are his, the Holy uh, the, uh, Allah Almighty's And there can be no contradiction between the two So another another kind of um, you know falsifying test You can take on the Holy Quran That you won't find any contradictory statements in it If it says that um, The heavens and the earth They were a, they were a small dot and we, we kind of exploded it, expanded it. This is referring to the Big Bang. When I don't I don't have the fact on me, but the the, the, the uh, date on me. But when was the theory of the Big Bang discovered? You know, not long ago. But this is fourteen hundred years ago. The Holy Quran is mentioning, uh, telling us about the Big Bang. There is so many. Uh, there there is mention of the black hole. There's there's mentions of uh, uh, extraterrestrial life in the Holy Quran. Uh, and even mentions that the humans will, um, at some point, you know, meet the aliens. You can say, so there is so many, so many uh, interesting things in the Holy Quran, and I would just uh, request and urge our listeners to uh, look into this, uh, read into this. That's the purpose of of this show here to make you aware of Islam. Islam is not just about what you hear in the media, you know, about killing everything. Islam is a beautiful religion. It's a very intellectual religion, a very, very reasonable, and it works with reason and logic. So, uh, please uh, read the Holy Quran um, and um, see see the wonders of it. This brings us to the end of the show. Hopefully, we will uh, see you, or um, you will hear from us tomorrow morning, and uh, also this uh, evening at four o'clock in the drive time show. Until then, it was a pleasure um, uh, speaking to you guys. Uh, really grateful, and thank you. A great thank you to the guests who enlightened us. Thank you to Daniel as well for joining me today and to the producers and the tech team. And thank you for the listeners for tuning in. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you.